Since the day we were told to shelter in place, support groups all across our country have been canceled because of the novel coronavirus. This order has not only impacted addiction groups like AA and NA, but this also affects the people who attend other support groups uh, for everything from eating disorders to divorce recovery and everything in between. As a result, those who once sought help from their specialized support groups, well, they're now struggling from the separation that we're all suffering as we continue to shelter in place. And while it's true that this lockdown has also impacted the church, uh, and it's impacted us by separating Christians from our fellowship of faith, it's also true, though, that our Savior, our Savior is still able to support the saints of God uh, by meeting us right where we are. Now, as we study the scriptures that are before us this morning, we're going to begin to see that our Savior, He knows how to provide spiritual support for separated saints. And as we examine the encouragement that the Lord presented uh, to His disciples there in the first century, uh, we too, I believe, will, are, are going to be able to receive spiritual support as we realize a few things. First of all, we have to understand that those who are in Christ Jesus can receive the spiritual support of relational connection. Uh, secondly, we'll see that those who are in Christ Jesus can receive the spiritual support of emotional comfort. And thirdly and finally, we'll learn that those who are in Christ Jesus can receive the spiritual support of providential courage. Well, with this as our outline, let's open our Bibles now to John chapter 16. Here we find the Lord Jesus. He's encouraging the hearts of his disciples. And as you make your way to the 16th chapter of John's gospel account, I want to take a moment to point out that the Lord knows that we need an extra measure of spiritual support during times of, uh, of a fearful separation. Uh, the proof of this well, it's found in the way that he encouraged his disciples during the Last Supper, knowing that they were about to be separated. Knowing that they were about to be separated for fear of their lives, the Lord Jesus provided his disciples with spiritual support by letting them know that though they would be separated, they wouldn't be alone. And with this as the focus, let's turn our attention to the encouragement that Jesus presented prior to his arrest in the garden. If you would look with me here at John chapter 16, I want to begin reading there at verse 32. Here the Lord Jesus declares, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now here in these verses, we find the Lord Jesus, he's preparing his disciples for the things that were about to unfold. Remember, the Lord presented this word of encouragement during the dinner that we commonly call the Last Supper. And it was there in the upper room as they celebrated the Passover Supper when, uh, when the Lord Jesus helped his disciples to understand that his hour had come. Or in other words, the hour of his arrest was at hand. And the time of his sacrifice was about to be fulfilled. Not only that, but the Lord Jesus also knew that his disciples were about to be scattered for fear of punishment. As a matter of fact, look with me again there at verse 32. Here our Savior declares, Indeed the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. 
Now that word scattered was translated from a Greek word which was used of those who are struck with terror and as a result those who are filled with this fear are then driven in every direction because they're just uh, completely uh, afraid. And in light of this definition we can see that our Savior already knew how his disciples would react on the night of his arrest. He already knew how they would be scattered, how they would be sent in every direction. And one reason he knew this was due to the fact that the Spirit of the Lord had already revealed the situation in the prophecies that were presented through the prophet Zechariah. It's Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7, where the Lord of hosts declares this. He says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Now, as we consider this prophecy, the, the shepherd being struck is, of course, a reference to our Savior's sacrifice. And the sheep being scattered, well, this was a prophecy that was pointing to the fearful reaction of the disciples on the night of our uh, good shepherd's arrest. The Lord Jesus confirms this interpretation in Matthew chapter 26. It's there where he declares, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And just as Jesus had promised, the disciples were scattered. They fled for their lives on the night of our Savior's arrest. We should also notice another detail that Jesus presented in, in John chapter 16. If you would look with me again there at verse 32, here the Lord declares, Indeed the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, and notice, each to his own, and will leave me alone. In other words, the disciples of Christ were not only scattered on the night of our Savior's arrest, but they were also separated from their faith-based fellowship as they all fled for their lives. You might recall how Peter and John, they, they continued to follow Christ Jesus at a distance, and yet it wasn't long until the Apostle Peter himself fled for his life, but not before denying the Lord Jesus three times. In this way, we can see how the disciples were dispersed and divided on the night of the Lord's arrest. And while we aren't told exactly where the disciples went on the night of Jesus' arrest, what we do know is that they were separated, each one going his way. Luke tells us that there were two disciples who were heading to a village called Emmaus on the day of our Savior's resurrection. John tells us that the Apostle Thomas uh, wasn't uh, with the rest of the apostles when the Lord first appeared to them. And uh, we can only speculate about the whereabouts of all the apostles and disciples during the three days that Jesus spent in the grave. But what we do know is that our risen Lord was quick to provide his separated saints with spiritual support. In order to prove my point, I want to consider the way that Jesus showed up to support his apostles shortly after his resurrection. And with this as the focus, hold your place here in the Gospel of John, and let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. As you make your way to the 28th chapter of Matthew's Gospel account, I want to take a moment to point out that apart from John, the female disciples were the only brave believers who were there to witness the crucifixion of Christ Jesus. John was there, but, but, but all the other guys, they ran for their lives. But, but the women were there. They were there to witness our Savior being crucified. And not only that, but those brave women were also the disciples who were determined to go and provide the Lord with a proper burial. And so they showed up on that third day uh, with spices in hand in order to complete the burial. As a result, they ended up being the first disciples to come into contact with Christ Jesus after his resurrection. With this in mind, if you would look with me here at Matthew chapter 28, I want to begin reading there at verse 1. Here Matthew writes, 
Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to, to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Here in these verses, we find the Lord Jesus. He's encouraging the women who had come to the tomb to complete his burial. Uh, he says to them, go and gather my disciples together. He, he wanted to meet with them in Galilee. He wanted to provide them with spiritual support. And while it's true that they had been separated after fleeing from the garden on the night of the Lord's arrest, it's also true that our risen Lord still wanted to, to, to support his saints he wasn't mad at him. He wasn't holding a grudge. No, he showed up and wanted to provide support for his saints so that they might rejoice in his resurrection. And therefore, our Savior, he sends the women to go and encourage them to, to gather together so that they might meet him in Galilee. It's actually in John chapter 20 where we learn that Mary Magdalene went and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord. And after gathering together in Galilee, they, they shut the doors and locked them. Why? For fear of the Jews. Yeah, they, they gathered back together and they went to the place where the Lord was going to meet them, but they, they locked the doors because they were still afraid of getting arrested. They were afraid of being arrested. They were afraid of being crucified as Jesus had been crucified. Well, the doors were securely locked on this place, and yet the Lord Jesus simply showed up and stood there in the midst of them. How amazing is that? After showing up and appearing in the midst of them, he says to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. It was in this moment when the disciples began to rejoice with exceeding joy as they realized that Jesus has risen from the grave. Now, in this way, we can see how the resurrection of Jesus was able to turn the scared and scattered saints into bold believers who were then ready to go and tell the world that our Savior is risen. They were no longer worried about the persecution that they might receive. They were no longer uh, you know, scattered and in, in, in fear of the Jews who might arrest them. The reason why is because they received the support that they needed from our Savior. And they saw that he had, in fact, risen from the grave. Now, as we consider the way that our Savior provided spiritual support for his saints through this relational connection by showing up and revealing himself to them, we can also rejoice in knowing that the Lord is still able to provide us with spiritual support 
through the relational connection that we can experience as we continue to walk by faith with our Savior. And in order to explain what I mean by this, I want to consider the high priestly prayer that Jesus prayed on the night of his arrest. If you would, with this as our focus, let's turn back to John chapter 16, first of all. I want to look at something that John said here in, in John chapter 16. Look with me again there at verse 32. Here Jesus declares, indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Now, here in the final section of this verse, we find the Lord Jesus. He's referring to this relational connection that he had with God the Father. And while he already knew that his disciples were about to depart from him, he he knew that they would leave him alone. And yet Jesus also knows that he wouldn't be alone there on the cross. Jesus knew that he wouldn't be all alone, and the reason why is due to the fact that God the Father is always with him. Not only that, but the Lord Jesus also goes on to pray for those who trust in him, uh, and it was there in the upper room after the Last Supper that Jesus prayed for his saints so, so that uh, the saints of God might continue to receive the same support that he was going to receive uh, there on the cross, and this support comes from the indwelling Spirit of God. And I want to consider the, the prayer uh, that I'm talking about here. It's found in John chapter seven, 17. Let's just flip forward one chapter to John 17. I, I want to draw your attention there beginning at verse 20. Here in John 17, verse 20, Jesus prays, I I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now, here in this prayer... We find the Lord Jesus, he's asking his heavenly father to establish a never-ending relational connection with every born-again believer. In other words, those who are abiding in Christ Jesus, we can rejoice in knowing that Jesus is abiding in us. And that's great news for uh, separated saints who are in need of spiritual support. We've been separated from our support group. We've been separated from our fellowship of faith. But we haven't been separated from the Lord because the Lord dwells in the born-again believer. We don't need to go gather together in Galilee tonight in order to go spend time with Jesus. We don't need to go to Galilee in order to receive the spiritual support that the apostles received uh, there on the day of the Lord's resurrection. No, we can just remain right where we are and receive all the spiritual support that we need. And the reason why is due to the fact that the Spirit of the Lord is now dwelling within us as we abide in Christ. In order to better understand this relational connection, I want to consider something that Jesus said back in John chapter 14. Let's flip back a few chapters to the 14th chapter of uh, John's gospel account. 
I want to draw your attention there to John chapter 14, verse 16. Here the Lord declares, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and notice, will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Here in these verses we find the Lord describing the way that the Father would send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would then provide the saints with spiritual support even after the resurrection and ascension of our Savior. Christian, listen, the Spirit of God, uh, since the day of Pentecost, is now dwelling within the born-again believer. Since the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was sent to indwell the believer, uh, we now receive spiritual support from within. In this way, our Savior continues to provide us with the spiritual support that we need, even during times of separation. And this is great news, especially during this period of time when the coronavirus pandemic has created relational separation and and has forced us to, to shelter in place. Knowing that many of us are scared and separated and wondering, uh, you know, how we're ever going to get back to our support groups. I encourage every Christian to remember that our Savior is providing his saints with spiritual support through the relational connection that we always have with the Holy Spirit. You have spiritual support right now, Christian, through the connection that you have with God. We are indwelt with the Holy Spirit of promise. We have become the temple of the living God. And while I look forward to the day when we can join back together here within our fellowship of faith, and while we want to provide all the support that we can provide to you uh, while we're uh, separated, I just encourage you to remember that those who are in Christ can receive the spiritual support of relational connection through the indwelling Spirit of God. At the same time, it's also important to understand that those who are in Christ Jesus can also receive the spiritual support that we need, uh, which comes from the emotional comfort that God gives us through his word. And with this as our focus, let's make our way back to John chapter 16. Here in John 16, we find the Lord assuring the hearts of his apostles so that they might enjoy the emotional comfort that comes from the peace of God. And I want to consider how the Lord puts it here in John chapter 16. If you would, let's look again there beginning at verse 32. Here Jesus declares, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Now, uh, that word peace found there in the middle of verse 33, it's translated from a Greek word which was used of the tranquility experienced by those who are able to just be at rest. That word actually includes national peace. National peace is enjoyed by the country that's free from the conflict of war. At the same time, the the same Greek word was also used to describe the individual peace. This is uh, the peace that an individual enjoys when they have relational harmony with others. Now, as we consider the immediate context of this word peace, it seems obvious to me that the Lord Jesus was referring to this individual inner peace 
that's experienced by those who are abiding in Christ according to the truth of his word. Let's consider again how Jesus puts it there in the beginning of verse 33. Here again, the Lord declares these things. I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. I like the way that the scholars who rendered the New Living Translation uh, rendered uh, the words of Jesus. They put it like this. I have told you all this so that you have peace in me. In other words, the Lord Jesus has given us the truth of his word. He, he spoke the truth of his word so that we can experience harmony with him as we abide in the words that he taught. In other words, the Lord Jesus is providing us with inner peace through his teachings. And in order to further grasp this incredible truth, I want to consider something that Jesus said back in John chapter 15. Let's make our way back one chapter to John 15. I want to begin reading there at John 15 verse 4. Here Jesus declares, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and notice, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples." As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Here in these verses, we find the Lord Jesus, he's encouraging his disciples to abide in his word so that we can abide in him. We are to abide in his word. We are to embrace what he has spoken. We are to, to you know, uh, receive everything that he has taught so that we can have joy in him. And the Lord Jesus here assures his disciples that those who abide in his word are also abiding in his love. As we abide in his love, according to the truth of his word, the, the joy of the believer is filled to overflowing. And therefore, we can rejoice in knowing that the Lord has given us his word. He's given us his word so that the saints of God can receive the peace of mind which is enjoyed by those who are abiding in the truth of God's word. At the same time, though, it's also important for us to realize that those who fail to abide in the word of God will also fail to enjoy the peace that fills our hearts with the joy of Jesus. And in order to prove my point, uh, let's turn back to John chapter 16. I want to look again there at John 16, verse 33, because here Jesus declares, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. Now, it's important to understand that the Greek word, which is rendered may have, it's actually a verb uh, that's found in the subjunctive mood, which is the mood of possibility and potentiality. In other words, the action described in this verse may occur, or it may not occur, depending on the circumstances. For this reason, the scholars who created the King James Version of the Bible, they render the beginning of verse 33 in this way. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. You might have peace. 
Now, as we consider the point that Jesus here is making, it should be noted that that this potentiality works both ways. And while we can rejoice in knowing that those who abide in the word of God will experience the peace of God, it's also true that those who fail to abide in the word of God will fail to enjoy the emotional comfort which is experienced by those who receive the peace which surpasses all understanding. And with that being the case, now listen, the saint who has been separated from their support group It's important for us to abide in the word of God that we may have peace. If you want the emotional support that's needed in a time like this, then we ought to be abiding in the word of God. You see, the word of God provides us with the emotional support that we need by helping us to experience the joy of Jesus. And in order to further grasp the way that our Savior uses his word to support his saints, even in times of social separation, like now, I want to consider the way that the Lord provided spiritual support for Paul during the time that he was arrested there in Jerusalem. Now, what this has the focus, hold your place here in the Gospel of John, and let's turn in our Bibles now to 2 Timothy chapter 4. As you make your way to the fourth chapter of Paul's second letter to Timothy, I should take a moment to remind you that it was around 59 AD when Paul found himself under arrest in Jerusalem. He was arrested there in the temple, uh, and, and you know they had lodged false uh, claims against him. And then after being arrested in the temple, he was then imprisoned in Caesarea. And it's here in his second letter to Timothy where we learn that he ended up receiving no support from the apostles of Christ who were there in Jerusalem. No one uh, from the church ran to his aid after he was arrested there in the temple. I'm sure that, uh, that, that, that hurt a little bit. I'm going to consider how Paul puts it as he recaps this whole situation here in 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you would look with me there, beginning at verse 16, here Paul declares, At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here in these verses, we find Paul recounting that day when he was arrested there at the temple in Jerusalem. And this incarceration not only separated him from the Christian community there in Jerusalem, uh, but the believers there in Jerusalem separated themselves from him, probably for fear of suffering the same fate. And while I have no doubt that this was tough for Paul to suffer in this way without receiving any support from the saints of God, at the same time, this separation provided him with another opportunity to experience the spiritual support that only our Savior can provide. Notice with me again there in 2 Timothy 4, verse 17. There Paul declares, The Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. The Lord stood with Paul. And not only did the Lord stand with Paul, but he also provided Paul with the spiritual support that he needed by strengthening him. That word strengthened, it speaks of that which is enabled with power. Not only that, but it's also used of the miraculous might that the Lord would use to confirm those who would proclaim his word. It's for this reason that the scholars who created the New Living Translation, they render Paul's words in this way. The Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. 
Now, it's true that the Lord provided Paul with spiritual support. The Lord stood with Paul. The Lord strengthened Paul. Uh, the Lord empowered him with that supernatural strength so that he could continue preaching the word. And at the same time, the Lord continued to provide Paul with all the spiritual support that he needed. And, and I believe that the Lord did this by comforting Paul's heart with the word of God. In order to prove my point, if you would, let's look again there at the end of verse 17. Paul says something pretty interesting here. There at the end of verse 17, Paul declares, also I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Interesting statement. Uh, we don't know of any stories of, of Paul being thrown into a lion's den. And yet in Paul's mind, he's saying, hey, the Lord delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. And as we read this verse, it, it seems possible to me that the Lord had filled Paul's heart with emotional comfort by reminding him about the time when the Lord saved the prophet Daniel from the lion's den. I'm guessing that Paul in prison was sitting there thinking about Daniel and everything that Daniel went through and how the Lord saved Daniel from the lion's den. And then Paul saying, yeah, I'm comforted in the story of knowing that I'm, I'm going to be saved from the lion's den as well. And not only was Paul's heart filled with peace after considering the story of Daniel, but I also believe that Paul was enjoying the peace of God as he considered the promises that are found in the book of Psalms. In order to prove my point, if you would look with me again there at verse 18, because here we find Paul worshiping the Lord by declaring this. He says, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. As we consider this statement of praise, it seems to me that Paul was loosely quoting a line from the 121st Psalm. With that being the case, I want to consider the context of this Psalm that I believe Paul was quoting and, and, I, and I want to consider how this psalm in its entirety probably caused Paul to just be at peace as he sat in this prison cell. But this is the focus. If you would continue holding your place there in the Gospel of John, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Psalms. Let's turn in our Bibles to the 121st Psalm. As you make your way to Psalm 121, I should take a moment to remind you that Paul was a man who grasped the connection between the truth of God's word and the emotional comfort that brings God's peace. Paul was a man who understood how the word of God brings comfort to the mind of the believer. And while I have no doubt that Paul's heart was filled with fear after being arrested, and I have no doubt that he, he was um, emotionally hurt after being separated from his Christian community and seeing none of them coming to his support. I also believe, though, at the same time that the Lord was providing Paul with perfect peace right there in prison, I think that the Lord did this by reminding him about the promises of deliverance, which can be found here in the 121st Psalm. If you would look with me there, beginning at verse 1, here the psalmist declares, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out. And you're coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Here in this song of ascents, we find the psalmist singing the praises of our, of our God. We find the psalmist singing the praises of the one who has promised to deliver his people uh, from all of their evil. And this was one of the song of ascents that would be sung as they made their way up the hill to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
And knowing that Paul had just gone up the hill to Jerusalem to to celebrate the the festival, I, I believe that maybe this was the song that Paul sang as he approached Jerusalem. It's my guess that Paul was meditating on the lyrics of this psalm as he sat there all alone in lockdown. And so rather than stressing out about his separation, rather than stressing about, out about the lack of support that he received from his church, uh, Paul instead sought the spiritual support that our Savior provides to those who will focus on the promises that we find in God's word. And after receiving the emotional comfort that comes from God's word, Paul began to proclaim the praises of the Lord right there in prison by declaring the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And listen, the Lord not only provided Paul with the spiritual support that results in in the emotional comfort that promotes peace of mind, but he also inspired Paul to then go on to create 14 epistles, each of which are designed to provide us with peace of mind. Now, the proof of this can be found in the fact that Paul mentions the peace that God provides to believers almost 50 times in his epistles. If you read through all of Paul's epistles, you'll come across this concept of peace of mind 50 times. This includes seven references to the God of peace. Seven times Paul calls uh, our God the God of peace. Fourteen mentions of the peace that comes from God. Paul was obviously a man who understood the connection between the truth of God's word and the emotional comfort that we receive when God gives us his peace. Therefore, rather than stressing out about the separation that we're suffering during this time of pandemic, let's instead spend more time studying the word of God so that we can receive the emotional comfort that will lead us to declare with Paul, the Lord will deliver us from every evil work and he will preserve us for his heavenly kingdom. And so to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So we see then that those who are in Christ, we can receive the spiritual support of relational connection that comes from the indwelling spirit of God. And at the same time, those who are in Christ can receive the spiritual support of emotional comfort that comes to us from the word of God. Thirdly and finally, I want to consider how those who are in Christ can receive the spiritual support of providential courage. And in order to to explain what I mean by this, let's make our way now back to the, uh, the book of John. Let's turn to John chapter 16. Here we find the Lord Jesus. He's assuring the hearts of his apostles so that they might enjoy the providential courage that Christ Jesus provides to those who trust in him. I want to consider how the Lord puts it here in John chapter 16. If you would look with me again, beginning at verse 32. Here Jesus declared, Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now, here in the second half of this verse, we find the Lord Jesus assuring his disciples that they were about to suffer the trials of tribulation. There are different types of tribulations that the saints of God could suffer, and yet it's my guess that the Lord is actually restating the promise that he had just presented back in John chapter 15, where he declared, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. 
Paul confirmed this truth later on in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where he declares, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so persecution is most certainly one form of tribulation. At the same time, it's also important for us to understand that the word tribulation found here in John chapter 16, it's translated from a Greek word which was used of every form of pressure that results in oppression, affliction, and distress. And while I do believe that Jesus was referring to the tribulation, which was uh, about to force his disciples to go and flee for their lives on the night of his arrest, I also believe that the original Greek word can also be used of the stressful pressure of this pandemic, which has separated the 21st century saints as we continue to shelter in place. Many of us uh, are at home and living in fear, living under the pressure of wondering what's going to happen, you know, in the future. And knowing how our lives have all been impacted by this tribulation, we must not forget what Jesus said right here in our text today. Look with me again there at verse 33. Here again, the Lord Jesus declares, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. In the world you will have distress. In the world you will have oppression and affliction. In the world you will have all of these things that that bring stress into your life. But notice, be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. That word overcome, it's used of the king who conquers every enemy. Not only that, but the same Greek word was used of the victory that the Lord has secured for us, which took place there on the cross. When he offered himself as a substitutionary sacrifice for our sins, it was at that moment when he overcame the world. This is the same Greek word that John also uses in Revelation chapter 17, where he describes the day when the enemies of God will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. That's right, there's coming a day when Christ Jesus will conquer every enemy as he defeats the armies of the Antichrist. The Lord Jesus has overcome the world. It might interest you to know that the word world, found there in verse uh, 33, that word world was translated from the Greek word cosmos. This, of course, is the basis for our English word cosmos, which not only refers to the earth itself, but the entirety of the universe, all of creation. Therefore, the Lord Jesus has not only overcome the evils that we find here on this planet, but he's also the conquering king who has overcome every enemy, which includes the rulers of the darkness of this age, as well as all the spiritual hosts of wickedness in in the heavenly places. The Lord Jesus has conquered every enemy everywhere. What this means then is that the Lord has providential power over the entire cosmos because this is his creation. For the sake of clarity, it'll help you to know that the word providence, uh, it's a theological term that we use when we refer to the power that God employs as he sustains and guides and governs human destiny. And while I realize that there are times when it seems as if the Lord is no longer in charge, I can assure you that the Lord is providentially working in every situation for the good of those who love him. That being the case, Christ Jesus was essentially encouraging his disciples to take courage as we consider his providential power over every enemy. Let's consider again how the Lord Jesus puts it here in our text today. If you would look with me there again at John 16, verse 33. Here again, Jesus declares, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
That phrase, be of good cheer, can also be rendered, be of good courage. It's for this reason that the scholars who created the New American Standard Bible, they render verse 33 in this way. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Take courage, because Jesus is our conquering king. The scholars who created the Christian Standard Bible, they presented the words of Jesus in this way. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. I love that. Be courageous, Christian, because Christ Jesus has conquered the world. The Lord Jesus was clearly helping his disciples to understand that they could face the tribulations that were before them with courageous faith. And the reason why is due to the fact that our Savior has already overcome every enemy throughout the entire cosmos. Christ Jesus has conquered the rulers of darkness as well as all of the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And therefore, there isn't one enemy that can come against us, Christian. They've already been conquered. This also includes uh, the day on the cross when Jesus conquered sin and death. Jesus has already conquered the enemies of sin and death so that we could have victory even over the grave. And in order to understand how this applies to the saints of God here in the 21st century, I want to consider something that Paul wrote in his letter to the Christians in Rome. If you would, let's turn in our Bibles now to Romans chapter 8. And as you make your way to the 8th chapter of Romans, I want to take a moment to remind you that nothing can separate the saints of God from our Savior. Not one thing can separate us from our Savior. There is no enemy that can detain us. There is no lockdown that can constrain us. And there is no sickness that can stop us from spending our time with our Savior, Jesus Christ. The reason why is due to the fact that the Lord Jesus will always be here to support us no matter where we find ourselves. With that being the case, the Christian can take courage in the fact that nothing can separate us from our Savior. I like the way that Paul puts it here in Romans chapter 8. If you would look with me there, beginning at verse 35, here Paul asks, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, those who trust in Christ Jesus can take courage in the fact that we are already conquerors, and not just conquerors. Paul says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And the reason why is due to the fact that the victory that we have in Christ Jesus can never be taken away, not today or ever. No one can take this victory from us, Christian. 
There isn't one thing, there, there, there isn't one enemy, there isn't one sickness, not even death can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And therefore, this coronavirus, it has no real teeth for the Christian. It's not an enemy that can keep us from the love of the Lord. I like the way that John put it in 1 John chapter 5. It's there where John declares, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we've received the benefits of the victory that Jesus secured on the cross. And therefore, every Christian can be courageous because we have a providential king who has already conquered every enemy. We can take courage in the fact that all the tribulations that are before us cannot separate us from the love of our Savior. The victory of Christ Jesus has already been applied to those who trust in him, and it can never be taken from us. Therefore, rather than living in fear of the tribulations that we still might yet face, I want you to remember that the power of God's providence provides the believer with the spiritual support that we need. And with that being the case, even in a time of separation, we can continue to, to, to receive the courage that, that we need in this time. We can walk with courageous faith, knowing that our conquering king has already defeated every enemy. Now, as we begin to wrap up our study, I just want to encourage you to remember that we have a Savior who is here to support us. Support groups have been closed down, and, and, and we've been told to shelter in place, and currently we're not able to, to meet here face-to-face uh, -face in our facility, and, and you're my, uh, you might be stressing out because you need your support group around you. And I would just say, look, uh, you know, I'm all for support groups, but, but listen, the real support that we need comes from Jesus. We have a Savior who's ready to support his saints no matter where we are. Remember, the, the Lord Jesus sent the, the women to go, to go chase down all the disciples to say, hey, look, you know, Jesus wants to provide you with support today. And that's what I'm saying to you right now, wherever you are. Spend time seeking your Savior and allow him to support you right where you're at. If you're in need of support today, I just remind you that those who are in Christ Jesus have access to spiritual support each and every day, 24-7, 365. Because he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. Those who are in Christ can receive the spiritual support of relational connection, which comes from the indwelling spirit of God. He is always here living within us, providing us with the support that we need. And those who are in Christ can receive the spiritual support of emotional comfort that comes from the word of God. And so let's spend more time reading the word of God and receiving the peace of mind that comes from the promises that we find in God's word. And those who are in Christ can receive the spiritual support of providential courage, knowing that we have a conquering king who has already defeated every enemy. And there isn't one thing that can separate us from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Not only that, but I'll remind you, there's coming a day when the Lord will deliver us from every evil work. But until that day, he's preserving us for his heavenly kingdom. And so with that, 
as we continue to shelter in place and as we continue to look forward to the day when we can join together once again here uh, in, in our Christian community, I encourage you, don't allow our congregational separation to get you down. Don't allow it to depress you. Instead, let's take time every day prayerfully seeking the spiritual support that our Savior has promised to provide for all of his saints. Let's pray.